introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. R.I.P. DMX, R.I.P. DMX. DMX was uh, one of my favorite rappers. I know I might not come across as um, the most hip-hop oriented individual, but I do uh, I do like hip-hop and uh, especially old school hip-hop. I don't like the new stuff. But anyway, um, R.I.P. to DMX, also one of the uh, best rappers for lighting designers to honor in the world of lighting design because, well, his name was DMX. So uh, to all my dogs out there that uh, are mourning DMX's loss, uh, I am with you on that one. But uh, that, that one hit me a little hard seeing him pass away. Um, and, uh, you know, starting off with a negative here. But anyway, this week, I don't have a lot to discuss. Uh, this week, I've got Larry Balf on. Um, this was a really fun, nice interview. It was very real. It was very genuine. Uh, got emotional at times, actually, um, and I I welcome that. I'm not saying that that makes it better or worse, but uh, the candidness, if you will, I really just appreciated it. So um, I wanted to thank him for coming on. It was uh, uh, it was it was just a really just genuine interview. Uh, not to say that the other ones haven't been. But I think with uh, previous interviewees or a lot of previous interviewees, everybody kind of goes into these podcast interviews not really knowing what to expect. And, you know, 30 minutes later, 20 minutes later, you kind of, for those of you that have listened to all the episodes, you can kind of hear when somebody switches that, oh, this is just a conversation. This is just, we're just hanging out. And that's exactly what I want it to be. That's 100% what I want it to be. Uh, Larry didn't struggle with that concept. Uh, it was immediately just kind of hanging out. I mean, we, we go off on, we talk a little bit about uh, cheese. Um, I don't remember if we talked about baseball at all, but I know he, he, he mentioned uh, wanting to talk more about baseball and things like that off the record. I think he mentioned that, but um, so it was just, it was just a conversation from the beginning. And uh, Larry is in Chicago, but he's a Texas theater educator and still comes down here to adjudicate and, and work for one act play, uh, or during the one act play season and stuff like that. So he's still very active in Texas. Uh, but, uh, he doesn't currently live right now in Texas, or at least this interview wasn't while he was in Texas. So, uh, that is kind of unique and kind of fun and also a little envious, like girl, you're living in Chicago while, uh, doing stuff like in other States, like that's kind of cool. So anyway, it was really fun. Uh, this was one of the ones that I recorded during spring break. So this was about a month ago now. Um, so, but, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed this one. I know I say that about all my interviews. Um, and it's true. Uh, that's why I say it every time. So, uh, yeah, anyway, but, uh, I want you to enjoy this one again, please leave a, a review. If you so choose, preferably a five-star review, if you would like, please. Uh, and um, also get a hold of me on Twitter or Facebook. I, I friended a couple people this week on Facebook that I don't really know very well, but I can see that we are supposed to know each other because of all the friends we have in common. So uh, those people, I really appreciate you. Uh, again, not a lot to talk about this week, so uh, why waste anybody's time? Uh, uh, we are hitting the ground running Really, really hard. Uh, Mandy Tapia is, is killing it right now, uh, getting Texas thespians like Summer PD done. Uh, there are three dates 
I believe those have already been announced. Um, I believe she sent out an email, uh, but there's a Houston, uh, Austin, but it's in Bastrop. The Houston one is at Atascacita High School. There's one in Bastrop, uh, which is the Austin uh, one. And then there's going to be one at Fwafa, uh, the Fort Worth Academy of Fine Arts. I believe I got that right, uh, up in the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, area. So they're going to be three dates. Um, again, I think they're already announced. I don't know them off the top of my head, but they're, there's one in June and two in July. Uh, so it's exciting and we're getting that stuff going. Uh, I hope everybody joins us for that stuff. I hope you guys uh, are able to do the summer fest with TXCTA. It's just, things are starting to hopefully come back. So anyway, let's, uh, get to the interview again. I hope you enjoy this really fun interview with, uh, Larry Balf. Uh, I think probably almost everything about theater and one I play in Texas all has happened to me by accident. It's all been uh, a glorious, wonderful accident. I wasn't supposed to be in theater. Uh, my parents got married at a uh, Air Force base, and I was born a year later and in uh, Topeka, Kansas. And then we moved around a lot because my dad was also a minor league baseball player. And back in the day, anybody knows anything about baseball? Uh, knows that they don't make any money playing minor league ball. So he did a lot of sales jobs, mostly selling encyclopedias, which was a good thing for my education because I, my mom made me read them all the time. And we moved around a lot and we ended up in Texas and we moved around a lot in Texas. And then we ended up in Houston and I was going into the eighth grade and it was the first time I ever got an elective. Everything else before that had been, it was at a junior high. It was, uh, they said, what do you want on this elective list? And I went, uh, woodshop. That sounds great. And they said, that's full. And my dad looked at the sheet and said, put him in speech and drama. And I wasn't a happy camper about that. And I went and I had this, I was at Black Junior High in Houston. And I had this amazing teacher. Her name was Anna Louise Bruner. And she had some, um, some very amazing students uh, that went on to pretty big things. And I was in a musical. My first show was a musical. It was Carnival. And the lead in the musical was Patrick Swayze. And that tells you kind of like some of the amazing people that she had in the program. Then he went on to waltrip high school and uh, i got kind of hooked i started going to speech tournaments in eighth grade and we had a citywide tournament and i was doing dramatic the yearling and i got beat by this girl from mc williams one of seeley turner's kids who just passed seeley turner who just passed away a month or so ago and i started watching their kids, his kids, and they were so professional and so prepared. And I, it was just fascinating to me. And then he kind of noticed me, you know, uh, when I was in the ninth grade, still in junior high, he was running a junior high, senior high program, which uh, is unbelievable. No one would do that now. I mean, I, I know there are people that do that, but it's crazy to, to do that. And uh, the city tournament the next year, I got second in dramatic at the city doing the button, 
and some people that have been around a long time know that script. And one of their girls won. I remember her. She was she was doing Death of Bessie Smith. It was amazing. And so I just I really got hooked and started doing plays. And then we moved again. And I it was so that that was another accident. And I ended up at J. Frank Doby High School in Pasadena. And I got in the theater program there. And I had a great speech teacher, Trish Boudra, and a really good guy, like a coach kind of guy, John Gordon for a drama teacher. I was in a lot of plays, went to a lot of tournaments. And I was kind of in one act play. I was on the crew. Then I was like a little supporting character. And then I went to summer camp at Theater San Jacinto my junior year. And I was uh, under Jerry Powell. And a lot of people on this site have been under Jerry Powell before uh, at San Jack. A lot of my really great friends. And I started reading plays, which I'd really never done before. And I read this play called David and Lisa, and I decided to cut it for my senior project down to 40 minutes. And we did, and we did it in the fall. And then my teacher liked it. And so we did it for one act. And then we won district first time in the history of the school. Of course, the school was only four years old. So, but still, um, and then I thought, well, this is it. I love it. I, I just really loved it so much. And then I went to college, and then it was kind of an accident to become a teacher because my principal at my, at my senior year in high school gathered a bunch of us together and said, we're going to do Special Olympics for elementary kids this year. And it was, it was really at the beginning of Special Olympics. And he said, I want all of you to be coaches, teachers for it. And so we didn't say no to the principal. And I met the most amazing kids that <laughs> taught me way more than I could ever teach them. Uh, but it made me want to be in, a teacher. And so I went to college and I thought, oh, no, not for teaching now. I'm going to be an actor. I'll be a professional actor. But just in case that doesn't work out, I'll get a teaching degree. And I got, I applied for a couple jobs. Don't speak, Siri. Uh, I got a couple of job uh, interviews, and I went to my first job interview at Eisenhower High School. And the principal there, Roy Smith, was talking to me. And then he said, um, well, let's go down and look at your room. And I was like, I don't know what he's saying. I don't understand this conversation. It's like my head was spinning, and he was showing me all this stuff and using the words like, this is your auditorium, and this is your – and I was like, I don't, I've never had a job interview before, so I didn't really understand. And at the end of that, he went, so we're going to send you over to sign a contract. And I thought that was pretty amazing. And uh, I got paid $8,000 a year. And that seemed like a lot of money yeah. in 1976. That was a lot of money. I mean, it was. And so then I stayed there for nine years and uh, we ended up winning state in year nine. We'd been alternate before that. And then I got recruited to go somewhere else in the middle of the year because their teacher was leaving. And I really wanted to go to a bigger program, a bigger auditorium. 
all of that stuff. And my principal, uh, Mr. Smith said, we're going to let you go. We'll let you do it. You know, you've done a lot for us. We'll do, we'll do this. So I did that. And then I was at that school for two and a half years. And then I got the professional theater bug again, tried to do that, did it for a while, three years, full time. Then I went back to teaching, ended up at Terry High School in uh, Rosenberg, because I had been working at the AD Players, a professional theater company in Houston, teaching classes and directing half of their main stage shows and acting in the other half. And um, somebody there said, oh. I hear you might want to go back into teaching. I work in that district. So I went out there and had an interview and they, I've been lucky. I think accidentally lucky to be hired at places, <laughs> uh, you know, and it was, it was a good thing. And so I stayed there for nine years. And then my principal there said, we're opening a new school. I want you to come. So I went there and I stayed there for another nine years at Foster High School and I went to stay at both of those places. So uh, then I decided after, you know, 30 years, I'm just, this is enough, but I still loved it so much. I started uh, wanting to be an adjudicator and I got a middle school adjudicating contest, which I loved. They're just amazing kids. They're so passionate about it. And then I got a clinic up in, uh, at North Lamar in Paris because somebody else had to drop out and I'd never done a clinic before. We'd had some at our school, but I'd never done one myself. And so I went and did that and I just loved it. So that's what I do now. I'm an adjudicator and a clinician and I probably adjudicate and clinic about 40 schools a year. And it's still just as exciting as the first time I ever directed a play. Yeah. And I mean, I just love it. What is so much passion? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is what is it about those? And you just answered it. The passion and yeah, it's it's seeing those kids tackle plays and deal with that literature and their directors who want them to be so good. Yeah, and how how much I know that they get out of it because I know how much my ex students got out of it. And no matter what profession they went into, some of the things that they learned by doing one act play, they they still apply to the professions that they have today. So, and I'm still pretty good friends with some of them. And uh, so I, I love walking in. It's so much easier <laughs> to walk in as a clinician or even as an adjudicator than it ever was directing. Because no matter what problems they have getting there, no matter you know what the personalities are, I get to walk out at the end of it, yeah. and but I, I can see their passion and their pain and their desire and their struggle, and I want to help them with that struggle. And I always, that's my whole goal is always, I always say I'm here to help you, and I finish by saying I hope in some small way I've helped you to be better, and that's always my goal. Yeah. What, why do you think you had such quick success at like Eisenhower? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) We, we won district eight out of nine years. We went to region eight out of my nine years there. I think I had the right, I had some good kids that were really dedicated and I think they wanted to be successful. And I think that's always a key for any program 
the director wants to be successful and then the kids want to be successful and they bought in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they bought in and uh, we were fortunate. And actually the play we won state with was another accident. We were supposed to be doing the miser and um, it was the first year of no pass, no play. And a couple of my kids didn't pass two or three. And so I had to switch plays and I had sent in this play called total abandon. Um, It's about a man who beats his two-year-old son to death. And I never thought they would approve it in a million years. And so then we had the failures and they approved it. And so we did it for people. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) So another accident. Yeah. Uh, It was an accident. Yeah, it really was. As, as an adjudicator and or clinician, is there a show that you've seen over and over, but every time you see it or most of the times you see it surprises, surprises you of like, Oh, I didn't think about maybe doing it this way or going that direction. I think almost every show I see (laughs) fits into that category. I I can see the same show like 20 or 30 times. I'm still excited about it the 30th time as I was the first time. And it's always because I see something that I never saw before, either some way they're doing it or some lines they've left in or some lines they cut or some way of casting it. It's always feels really unique and original and fresh to me. I'm never bothered by that. And I know some people are bothered by that, you know, seeing the same play over and over again. I'm I never am. I love reading the new cuttings. I love seeing what they bring to it that I never thought of or yeah. I never saw anybody else do before. It always seems fresh and it always seems new. Yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of a one act play is, you know, from director to director, it might it might change the story might even be uh a little different of whose story is being told too. So I, I agree. The focus yeah. of the story has a tendency to sort of shift based on the director or the concept or whatever that they're going for. But what the play's about still always has some kind of personal meaning to me. I mean, I love plays, you know, I love plays. I love theater. So I've been going to New York, sadly, not this past year, but been going to New York for like 30 or 40 years in a row. So, you know, I, I love that. I mean, I've seen a chorus line, I think it's seven or eight times with original <laughs> cast, replacement cast, traveling cast. And it always seems like an interesting show. Yeah. Do you, N- do you, no matter what. When you go to New York, do you try to hit straight plays or do you do musicals or both or just a mixture? I do a mixture. Uh, the last time I was in New York, not to brag, but I did get to see the original cast of Hamilton before it became like everything. I mean, it was still expensive, but it was right before it became everything and i saw that and fun home and uh the curious incident all the same weekend so i really like to mix it up and i like off-broadway stuff too right that's a lot yeah some of that off-broadway stuff actually uh can be just as good if not better i remember seeing a couple off-broadway shows that really move me more a lot more than even some of those you know highly produced broadway shows so oh for sure because there's so much it's the same kind of commitment that we have in one act play contest is kids or young adults or people who are so hungry to be on stage and to entertain people, to inform them, to move them, 
that it 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 really has an impact. Right. Did you uh, not to switch subjects, but did you thank your dad? You know, for <laughs> pushing you towards uh, taking theater as a as as an elective and. I mean, do you, do you credit any, you know, of that? we had, we did have that conversation, yeah. um, some much later than that. Right. He was not that involved in the theater process when I was in high school. And even when I was a director, he wasn't that involved. He had, you know, his own thing he was right. doing, but he did come to see my first play that one state. And he was very, it made, it made me feel great. <laughs> How proud he was. of yeah. it. I haven't even said that to anybody before. So. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, that's okay. I I have a you know, I'm a big baseball fan, so when you said that your dad was a minor league baseball player, if I grew up knowing my theater director's dad was actually this minor league baseball player and, you know, cuz you you know, students always make assumptions about what their yeah, theater, sure. te- you know, the backgrounds of their theater teachers. Uh do, did your students know that your dad was you know, minor league baseball, although a large group of it is a large group of men that play it, it's still a very small percentage of the world. Uh, did your students know that your dad was kind of a a, a pretty good athlete? Uh, I've talked to them about that yeah. before, and generally just in use of, of terms of it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, you know, you right. can still and that there's similarities between uh, being an athlete and being an actor or are amazing and there are a lot of people that don't like those comparisons but i always felt very comfortable in the athletic world and it i think it showed a lot in the programs that i was in i had always had a lot of boys that were in sports i mean they used to come off the football field and come over to rehearse when we were at region one time we had to take a boy and a girl who were in the regional tennis tournament we had to drop them off on the bus go to our rehearsal come back and pick them up I mean, I always had a lot of athletes in my yeah. program, so uh, I I think I like that kind of dedication. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's similar. Do you still have any interest in like a woodshop type thing, or is that something that was just <laughs> was that just on the list? <laughs> not, not too good at making things. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I I found out real quickly. I'm not that good at doing those. I always find people though that are very right. good at it. Are you good at you know? There are some directors that are very good at saying, here's what I want and explaining. And there's some that write it down and they're, you know, what, what's kind of your style of relaying information to a a technician or designer to, to make sure your show looks the way you want it to look. It's kind of a little of both. I will tell you that in professional theater, when I was working in that, it was, I, I completely didn't understand the process at all because they all came into the first meeting with all of their ideas and stuff. And I, I wasn't used to that at all, but I can draw little things, but they're not very good right. on a napkin or something. <laughs> right. I used to draw it. We would go to some restaurant and just draw our little ideas down. And uh, then I would talk about them to whoever was tech director. And they usually came out way better than the drawing. So <laughs> good. So another Another thing that you said that that made my ears perk up, you and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you said you did carnival when you were in eighth grade. Yeah, we had this amazing teacher 
Anna Louise Bruner. She yeah. had this great relationship with Sackowitz, which was one of the biggest department stores in Houston. Yeah. And the people there that d- did all the design, she was friends with. They came in and did our sets for our wow. shows. And they had done, we did Carnival and Annie Get Your Gun. Wow. They, and those are the only two I was yeah. involved in. But they did a lot of, of, I mean, pretty big musicals for eighth grade. Yeah. You know, yeah. ninth grade. What, what That's what we, we were seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. What middle school was it? It was Black Junior High. Oh, okay. Okay. I, that's, and yeah, it's that's, still there. Yeah, it's still around. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I went to Welch with Gail Silver, and she was really oh, well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was really well known for doing these for middle school rather large. I mean, she did 42nd Street in middle school. Um, okay, which, that's amazing. Yeah, which is uh, still nuts um, to me. But, yeah, Carnival, the, just the story of Carnival, too, for middle school is uh, – is a it's a strong story so that's that's why i was asking well she did have i mean she did have patrick squazy and <laughs> even even at at 13 i could look up at him at 15 and go there's something special about him as a performer yeah. and his mother was what she helped choreograph the musical because she, she taught a she had a dance studio down the street yeah, right and so a lot of us took classes there and so it it felt very professional right? at a very young age. We had a full scale orchestra. I mean, it was, I think that makes a huge difference right? My, yeah. in how you see things. Uh, my, my mother knew Patrick Swayze as well. So didn't, didn't go to school. Okay. That's that. I don't, I, I don't think I need to know that your mother and I are the same age, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, you know, there were a couple of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, Quaid brothers, uh, Patrick Swayze, yes. um, trying to think of, uh, uh, Spiner, uh, Brent Spiner, right. Is that, yes. Is that, they all went to U of H. Yeah. Those three did. They went to U of H. Yeah. So that was, uh, my, my mom talks highly of that kind of core group of, of people that kind of came out of that time, you know? Yeah. They're all a little older than me, but they all, a lot of those people you're talking about went to Bel Air. Yes. And when Be- the Bel Air program was being run by Cecil Pickett yes. before he went to university of Houston. Yes. And they had so many amazing kids yeah. come out of that program. It's, it's crazy how, you know, you look at, you look at certain programs and you look at, uh, generations and such, and you, the names that are still synonymous with like fame and fortune or not fortune necessarily, but I don't know if Brent Spiner's living on a yacht anywhere, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but but maybe maybe <laughs> with the star trek unless they're doing star trek next generation yeah. again yeah right which they <laughs> so, might be but anyway you know it's just it's crazy to me to, to think of those i try to think of my generation and if there are any of those names and they're they're a handful uh i went to school with beyonce so that's that's my there you go that's my patrick okay story. well yeah i think that pretty much <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty up there yeah for that sure gets, that gets up there so, uh, what are, what do you do? Like, what is a hobby that Larry does now, uh, that kind of keeps you busy, passes the time? Um, because you know, the one act play season is just that a season. Uh, so what are you doing in, in between those times? Well, I, I feel like I'm busier than I've ever been in my whole life, really? honestly, yeah. other than doing one act play from January through May. Uh, I play, I play a lot of softball 
it's that's still in my genes. Yeah. Uh, I play a lot of a lot of tennis, probably three times a week. I play tennis, and, and I'm still at a pretty high level. And uh, I travel a lot. Uh, I own a property in Palm Springs that I rent. Okay. So I'm I'm very busy, and I teach uh, six to eight hours every week of public speaking. Right. Have you been able to teach more now uh, that you can zoom in or, or do it virtually, or is it still about the same? Uh, it's about the same right now, right. although a couple of other opportunities have come up lately about Zooming. I just haven't been able to do them because of one at play season. Sure. But uh, I teach at a school uh, in Chicago, which is where I'm currently located, right. and uh, which is a great theater town. And so I was teaching out in the suburbs uh, at a, a Chinese school out there. And uh, but now we've been online since for a year okay. we've been online. So uh, my classes have been reduced to six hours instead of 10. Okay. So but it's still it's still great. And it's still. It's pretty awesome to work with these students that are junior high and high school kids who are so smart yeah. and who have such a great understanding of the dilemmas and problems of the world and they have good solutions and they want to be involved. Yeah. I mean, they really do. It's a, it's pretty, they're pretty amazing. I learned something every week yeah. from them. So, and you also spoke on uh, special Olympics. So is there, ha have you done anything since that time? Have you been able to, uh, like even like inclusion theater or, or anything like that? Have you been a part of that or wanted to be, or, you know, I would love to see, I've seen some inclusion theater yeah. and I would love to have been part of that. It just kind of slipped out of my fingers. And you know what the yeah. time like is being a high school theater teacher, yeah. it just gets away from you. And we had some kids in the program that uh, were, you know, kids that we were part of inclusion programs. But as a whole, yeah. no, I haven't been part of it, but I, I respect it. And I've seen some productions of it where people were used that were, you know, people who were inclusion, uh, handicapped, right. whatever. And they're amazing kids did I you mean, see, and amazing people. It takes a Oklahoma? lot of, did you see the new, Oklahoma? a lot of energy. Did you see the new Oklahoma on Broadway? The, I did not okay. see it, but i saw several scenes on it and that girl, that She's that crazy. girl was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't. And I think that that's such a great way for theater to go to try to reach out to so many different people. And I've seen a, quite a few productions of high school when I plays that uh, have used sign language, have yeah. used people in, you know, and use their disabilities or their capabilities and, and, and use them in really positive ways that makes the play stand out even in a much stronger way right yeah that's yeah it's something i i took part in a, a theater company called dionysus theater uh while it was oh yeah open. yeah and uh it, it's it's insane the 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 there are that there has been this kind of like uh culture that hasn't included uh handicapped kids and handicapped students and uh and you know and handicap is a broad 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 definition but um uh and the talent it's just it's just it's just insane but um to think that somebody i think won, it's ex yeah go ahead go, i no, i just i i think you're so right about that and i think it's exciting 
to see more and more theater companies and more and more high schools, including people that we should have been including all along. Right. Yeah. How, uh, so I'm going to, again, completely switch gears because this is how my brain works. I did an interview earlier today where I, I said, I don't know, I might talk about cheese at some point. My brain just, you know, goes <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Cheddar. Uh, uh, Colby Jack. Okay. Uh, jalapeno pepper and Gouda there. What, which cheddar though? <laughs> uh, sharp. Okay. I wasn't intending to talk about cheese, but I like it. Uh, now, <laughs> now, now the next, now if we're going to go the cheese route, okay. There, there are different types of way to like, uh, you know, what do you want on your pizza? What do you want on your hamburger? And what do you want on a, on a, on a Philly cheesesteak could be are three different things. You know what I mean? Yes, that's <laughs> totally true. The, the cheese really depends. I was just talking about cheese by itself, right. maybe with some crackers and a beverage. Okay. <laughs> I did not, I did not think we would go down the cheese route, but I'm glad sorry. I think I, I took your bait and so, went down there. Well, If you're in Chicago right now, what is, what is, uh, which one of the two deep dish pizza places would you go to? Or, uh, there you know, the, the, the cross the street rivals. What are the two cross the street on, rivals? I, I say it and I, and, and I, and I, uh, you know, Luminati's. Yeah. Luminati's and Gino's. Okay. I like both of them. Yeah. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make a, a, a bold prediction that no, could get me kicked out of this nobody town. Nobody in Chicago's listening. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> And now Detroit Pizza is making a little inway here too. I, yes, it, well, but it's not deep though. It's not a deep dish. It's it's square. Yes, it's a square pizza. That's right. And it's and it's even to the. It has started to infiltrate even like uh, fast. I use quotes with fast food, but fast food pizza places, um, like the Pizza Hut and Domino's and stuff. They they do the square pizza now. There's a lot of pizza places in Chicago. There are more Starbucks, CVS, uh, Baskin and Robbins, Dunkin' Donuts. There's one on almost every corner yeah. of those things. You cannot walk out the door. There's half a block from me. There's a Dunkin' Donuts to the left, half a block to the right. So if we're going to stay on this food thing, because it's Centurion Houstonian. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> do you know where I'm going? Do you know? What... <laughs> I hope you're going to some Tex-Mex food. No, 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 no. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. No, there's that doesn't. I was going to ask if you are a Dunkin' Donut or Shipley's. Okay. I grew up over off of North Main uh, in the up Northern Heights, and Shipley's Donuts is still yeah. there yeah. on North Main. And we used to go there on Saturdays, and we could get a dozen donuts or a dozen Dale donuts for 75 cents. Wow. So I would always be a Shipley's over a Dunkin' Donut. And they're still not that expensive, but the 75 cents for a dozen, that's, I mean, that would be, I would not, I wouldn't be sitting here probably right now if that was. <laughs> Who could turn that down, right? <laughs> right I mean, right. no. Yeah, right. Well, that, that was fun. Um, so I want to go back to the one-act play stuff. I, I It's been, you know, somewhat, um, I don't want to say controversial this year about one-act play, but uh, there have been two sides of the camp of should we or shouldn't we do it. Uh, I want you to sell. I did this with Luis Munoz, and this obviously was before a uh, before there was a pandemic. And uh, so the 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 opinion. Oh, there's my 
Alexa. My my Alexa's telling my daughter who's not here right now to get off the iPad. So anyway, that's good that you have it set up that way, though. <laughs> yes. Well, she, I need to do that with my dog. Yeah. Right. You got to do something. Alexa, stop. Okay. So <laughs> what a what a lighthearted way to get into. This. So with one act play, there's this there's a there there's certain camps that think we shouldn't and certain camps that think we shouldn't have competed this year. I want you to sell the camp that says we shouldn't have on why we should have uh, competed this year with one act play and why it's important for these kids to get out there, why it's important for the director's well-being as well uh, to just do theater. Uh, because I'll be honest, I'll be completely transparent. I, I, I flip-flopped. When we walked in in August and September, uh, and then back face to face in October, I said, there's, there's no way I'm doing one act play. I'm not doing it face to, f uh, you know, we're not doing it this year. There's no reason to compete. And I changed, I changed my mind, uh, as I saw the kids starting to be disappointed with the idea of not doing it. And then excited when we did, uh, and when we cast the show and when we started rehearsing and just, they needed it, you know, uh, it wasn't about me. Uh, I had to switch my mindset. Uh, and not be selfish. So maybe I just sold it, but I want you, I want to hear Larry's side of uh, the importance of it and what what it brings to a, a department and students and teachers and everything. Well, I, you know, I can't sell anybody on anything, but <laughs> I could just tell you how it feels to me. I was at a contest last March 12th or 13th, whatever day it was, and it was down in Laredo and I was watching some wonderful plays and the three judges and we were separated. We were all watching and about the second or third play, either somebody from their, you know, on their phone or the contest manager had come in and said something like uh, the NCAA basketball tournaments canceled. And then another play happened and uh, somebody looked at their phone and said, oh, the Houston Livestock Show at Rodeo was canceled. And I start, it started to dawn on me as I was watching the last two or three plays that this was the only performance I was ever that these kids were ever going to do at this play. And it felt bad. <laughs> it felt bad. And you could feel them during the critiques have some kind of understanding that a problem was coming and that things might not be what we have always had. And so I got on a plane the next day and flew back to Chicago and I, it was, it was sad to me and all my contests were canceled. You know, the rest of my, you know, the rest of my season was canceled. And I, I just, it, there was a loss there. And I know that there's a struggle to do the right thing. And I want people to always do the right thing. And I want them to feel safe and I want them to feel uh, secure about what they're doing, but I think we needed this contest to happen. I think adjudicators needed it. Uh, I think the kids need it. I think the directors need it. We need to produce live. This is what we do. We produce live theater, and uh, Broadway needs it. I have a lot of former students that are in New York, and they are broke and sad, and so. I did a contest last week and it was up in, in Waco 
Larry Carpenter, a great contest manager. It felt so safe and everybody wore masks and it just felt like we were back. Maybe not back completely the way we want to be, but but back in some way. And I know there's probably people who are flipping off your channel right now and saying that I'm an idiot. And I'm okay with that. You know, everybody has to do what they have to, that they have to do what's best for them. And I know some schools have pulled out. And I know some people don't care what happens. And that's okay too. But just producing the theater is the most important part for the kids. And I think we have to do it for the kids. And they when I gave I did my clinics this year, and I, I can just feel the energy from the students. Like we we're hungry for what you have to say about us. We're hungry to make this play happen, to make it good, to make it better, to reach out to people in the world with the message that we have. And I think that that's needed right now. We've gone through a rough four years, but we've definitely gone through a rough year. And I think it gives us hope. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I completely understand the people that are afraid. I really do. I've been afraid. So at this point, uh, I actually stopped the conversation with Larry and thought we were done, but he had mentioned that he wanted to tell a story about being uh, a Vietnam story pretty much with protesters and things like that. And uh, he mentioned that he wanted to just kind of share this story and why not? Uh, I've had this happen a couple times, but through fancy editing, I was able to kind of weave it into the conversation and you never knew. Uh, This one, not so much. So I'm just going to be honest. And uh, here is the remainder of our conversation with a fun little story from Larry. (laughs) So I know it's kind of interesting, though. So 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 one act play in the 70s with Vietnam protesters. I mean, uh, the floor is yours again. Well, I had this great drama teacher who really wanted us to be better. And so he took uh, four or five of us to the state meet in like 71, 70, 71. And there were protesters out in front of Hog, which is where we used to have it, protesting the Vietnam War. And I, we had to walk through them to get into Hog. It was a pretty interesting experience. And I was not that politically you know, relevant at the time or, you know, know that much, but then it made me actually start reading about, you know, the war and anybody that actually knows me knows I've done a lot of war plays, including several one acts that were set in Vietnam. But back in those days, it was at hog and they had like one, one school from each region went to state one. So our school was at region that year. And 4A because we didn't have five or six, and there were nine schools at Region. Once nine districts went to Region, one school went to state. And so when we went, we saw like A in the morning, all four of them, and then two A in the afternoon. And I had never been to an auditorium that big before. I had never seen the state meet before, and I saw a Jerry Worsham production. And I was like mesmerized by it. And I saw comedies that were amazing and by, you know, well-known directors. And 
I just thought this was the greatest thing ever. It made me really want to be part of it in, in such an important way because I just, I just felt like this is, I felt at home. I felt at home, maybe for the first time in my life, honestly, like this is where I belong. And um, I think part of my directing style was much of reflection of some of those shows that I saw in the 70s, 70s, all the way through. I mean, I've, I've seen every year, practically the state, you know, champion. And I would see a Jerry Worsham play and I'd go, okay, I'm never going to direct that play. Cause I can never direct it like that. I can never direct anything that looks like that can never be. So I did minimal stuff because <laughs> I could not do big costumes and royalty and, but I appreciate it. I couldn't do a comedy like my, my great friend uh, from Gregory Portland. I mean, she is like the queen of comedy and I would see her shows and I would go, I could never do that, but I could see it and go, that's the best play here. Yeah. And so I think I learned a lot about what I, what I could do based on what I knew I couldn't do. Right. Which is also kind of an accident, I think, because I would watch those shows and be so in awe of what they were capable of doing. And then we moved to the, you know, the university and how huge that stage was and how you had to fill that, that auditorium. When we went to state, we had four people and uh, we had just seen, I think the third play that day was. Tom Jones from Luis Munoz and uh, San Antonio MacArthur. And people were rolling in the aisles. I mean, it was so hilarious. Paula Rodriguez was in that show. Yeah. That's how I first knew of who she was. And uh, I thought, wow, we're never going to be able to match up to that. I mean, it was just, I didn't know if we could even fill this space with four people. I mean, we managed to do it, but it was so wonderful to see all that variety of theater. Right. And to be able to appreciate that at, you know, even as I was growing up and even as I was a, a young director, it just inspired me to continue to try to be better all the time. Yeah. That was, that was but the good. Vietnam thing was a little scary. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I can imagine, uh, that's, uh, I've never been a part of a protest. The closest I've been was, uh, in Montreal, uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, I happened to be in Montreal and there were the protests there and I happened to be going to dinner and just walking through, <laughs> you know, excuse that me. That happened to me here in Chicago too. Yeah, yeah. I was walking out of a grocery store and got in the middle of a black lives matter protest. Yeah. So I just went with it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. You know, carrying my groceries and yelling, whatever they were yelling. I was like fine with that, but, I think I was a lot younger right. <laughs> in 1971 when uh, these protesters were, you know, trying to get us out of Vietnam, stop the war. Yeah. You know, and literally, I mean, I had a, I had a ping pong ball number to be drafted. Right. I was the last group that had a ping pong ball number. And a friend of mine actually was drafted from that same group. So, I mean, it was a different world then for sure. Yeah. And sort of scary. Yeah. My parents were not happy with me either. Because I was like, well, if I get drafted, I'm not going. <laughs> My dad was like, oh, you're going. 
you know, he was in the military. He's, I was going to be in the military too. Yeah. So yeah, it was a different world for sure. Yeah. But we still went theater still happened. Yep. And I think that's really important at this time, the world we're living in right now, theater still happened then, and it can still happen now. We just have to change it a little. Minor win.